we will be uh, we're going to be doing a new, a new church directory soon, and um, and uh, so we will. I think the uh, photographs will be taken on May the 17th and 18th. So we're setting up appointments for those uh, for May the 17th and 18th, and uh, we encourage everybody, every participant of, of our church to. Uh, participate in this and get your your photograph taken so you can get in the directory and um, to get those uh, appointments set up please see Mary Dunham and she will set that up for you also you'll notice on the uh, table going out uh, there's a basket there that has some decals that you can put on your on your car it says uh, everyone is welcome at Community Baptist Church so pick one up and put it in your car window and and uh, kind of spread the word that that, that we are a welcoming congregation and everyone is truly welcome at Community Baptist Church. And one other thing, uh, we're, we're going to uh, do, we're going to try to revive something that we used to have here at Community Baptist Church but haven't had in a little while, and that's our joy lunch group. Uh, Sue Berry has graciously uh, uh, agreed to take that, the responsibility on for that. And so we're going to have our first joy lunch meeting in a long time on May the 22nd. That will be a potluck lunch, so bring something to eat, uh, bring a, a, a dish, uh, preferably with something in it, and, um, and something you can share with others. And I think the, this first meeting will be just sharing some ideas uh, for some things to do. And this is generally... Uh, uh, designed for uh, senior adults, but you know what? I don't think we're setting an age limit on it. If you're available, uh, just come and enjoy that time together. It's uh, May the 22nd. So, speaking of joy lunch, speaking of joy, uh, joy is not something to be hoarded. It's something to be shared. So stand up and share the joy of Christ as we greet one another in the name of the Lord.
about God's amazing grace.
Good morning. The scripture reading for today is Luke 15, 11 through 24. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in desolate living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the land, country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have lived, filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and and despair, but here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Please join me in prayer. Loving God, we come to worship you today. And we are indeed amazed at your love. We come to be fully present, setting aside our distractions, the weight of our to-do lists, and all of those little things that take us away from true fellowship. We come to bring you our burdens, our cares, our joys. We bring all that we are, and we come to recognize our responsibility to ourselves and as citizens of this church, this community, this world, and ultimately as citizens of your kingdom. We take these things seriously, and yet we find ourselves easily drawn away from what is truly important. And so we lift ourselves to you for your care. Holy God, we are the church in all of its goodness and in all of its faults, in all of its triumphs and in all of its failures. And we look back to Scripture to find ourselves, to take inspiration from our brothers and sisters who have gone before us. But we also recognize that it's, it's up to us to take responsibility for our own lives. So we pray that you would give us the strength to live as faithful followers. Help us to walk in your path as we try to live faithfully in this world. 
Help us to respond with love and care to a world that needs the church at its very best. And help each of us, O God, to do our part to make our church the very best that it can be. Thank you for forgiving us when we fail. And thank you for setting us back on the right path that we may faithfully live our life in your will. Amen. Boys and girls, I'm already ready for you here on the floor. The chair, well, I'm talking to the kids, so I like to be right where you are. How about that? Today, oh, we got a nice crowd today. Thank you all for coming. Y'all can sit down here on the floor with me if you'd like. Great, thank you. Today, our lesson is about the prodigal son and about a little boy. Actually, it was a middle-aged boy, and he asked his father for his inheritance. And his father said, no. And the boy got mad, and he ran away. And then after he was away for a while, he decided, oh, being at home really wasn't that bad after all. And he came back, and when he came back, his father greeted him with loving and open arms and was so glad to see him. Isn't it wonderful that we have parents or grandparents or special keepers, might be aunts and uncles, that uh, look out for us and they're in charge, right? Okay, I've got five different things here. I'm going to give you a little quiz and see. And I want you to answer these questions for these five different things that I'm going to say, if it's mean or if it's loving, okay? So the first question is, a girl asked her father as a joke, gave her a paper bag with a snake in it. Is that mean or It's mean, that's right. The second question is, a boy fell at school and his clothes got all muddy. Has that happened to anybody? And guess what happened? The little boy's mother brought him new clothes at school. Is that mean or loving? Loving. Loving. Great. Third question. A girl broke her mother's favorite bowl by accident, and her mother said, It's okay, honey. We all make mistakes. Is that mean or loving? Loving. A boy wanted to go swimming without supervision, and his father said, No way. Is that mean or loving? It's loving because who was watching out? Somebody had to be in charge there and said, No, that's, that could cause you harm and sometimes as little people we don't understand a lot of times what causes us harm and then a mommy let her baby play with dangerous toys in a crib because he wanted to is that mean or loving mean because the mommy was looking out because she knew that that little boy could hurt himself with possibly of those toys so we do need to have people in our lives that are in charge and that can show us the right things to do just like our Heavenly Father has pointed out to us what good things are and things that might cause us harm. So it's, it's good that we have people in our life that are in charge, okay? And you know things kind of change. Right now you probably have a lot of people that are in charge of your life. But I can tell you one thing for sure, without a doubt in my life, as you get older, 
that role will oftentimes reverse. And you know what happens? You have to be that in-charge person. Sometimes it's even to your parents and to your grandparents. You remember that now when it's hard to to take that in-charge person, okay? Let's pray real quick, and then we'll let you go on to our children's moment, and we'll continue here with worship. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we know that you put people in our lives that are in charge, and we hope that we listen to them, and we understand that the reason they're in charge is because they love us so much. Amen. Oh! 
I read something this week that I would like to share during this prayer time, and if you would pray while I share a treasure worth keeping. You are the God of full pockets and the God of pockets zipped shut, the God of empty pockets and pockets with holes, the God of inside-out pockets and pockets stuffed with treasures. You are the God of our pockets. You came to show us that life is not to be pocketed, but given freely, joyfully, and sacrificially. You are the God of full hearts and the God of hearts that are empty, the God of hard hearts and closed hearts, the God of the heart sick and those who have lost heart. You are the God of our hearts. You who know our inmost being, connect our hearts with our pockets. Be the pacemaker which fills our lives with a steady rhythm of generosity, our pockets opening and closing in love. Even after a lifetime, they'll still be filled with grace and overflowing, and that's a treasure worth keeping. Amen. Amen. Before I read the following scriptures from the Old Testament and the New Testament, I'd just like to comment on the earlier scripture about the prodigal son. We as fathers are proud of our sons, as we hope our Heavenly Father is proud of us as sons. Reading is from Joshua 5, verses 10 through 12. While the Israelites were camped in Gilgal, they kept the Passover in the evening on the 14th day of the month in the plains of Jericho. On the day after Passover, on that very day, they ate the produce of the land unleavened cakes, and parched grain. The manna ceased on the day they ate the produce of the land, and the Israelites no longer had manna. They ate the crops of the land of Canaan that year. Next reading is from 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 through 21. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away, see? Everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors of Christ, 
since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is the word of God.
Isn't that beautiful? Thank you so much, choir. You know, we are blessed to have such great talent uh, musically and, and, a and a good director. And, <laughs> and we, are, we are really blessed to, to, with, with great music here at Community Baptist Church, so I hope you appreciate that. And thank you, Brianna. She does it all, doesn't she? She sings. She plays the piano. She plays the flute. <laughs> there she is. I'm looking at the wrong shoulder here. You know, as a, as a pastor, people are always sending me stories because they know that I like stories and I like to tell stories. And they send me stories and little tidbits of information. And every once in a while you, you hear a story and you just think to yourself, nah, nah, that can't be true. And, and we, we've seen a lot of it. We see it all the time. Um, and there's a lot being made these days about fake news. You've heard about the fake news and everything like that. And, and we see it all the time. It covers our streams on Facebook and on Twitter and, and all over the place, all over the internet. So just as an aside, please be careful about what you share from your, from your social media experiences because you might be sharing something that's not true. However, um, getting back on track, I received a story a while back, and no, I cannot verify it, but it, I will say that it came from a reliable source, and here it is. This was a number of years ago when a woman in Austin, Texas, successfully sued a furniture store for injuries that she received when she tripped over a small child who was running loose throughout the store. But what was astonishing about this lawsuit was that that out-of-control child that she tripped over was her own son. <laughs> the jury awarded her over $700,000 for tripping over her own son. Could that possibly be true? She tripped over her own son, whom she was allowing to run wild in the story, and the jury award her, awarded her $700,000. Have we gone absolutely nuts it reminds me of something that an anonymous poet once wrote. It said, I went to the psychiatrist to be psychoanalyzed to find out why I killed the cat and blacked my wife's eyes. He laid me on a comfy couch to see what he could find, and this is what he dredged up out of my subconscious mind. When I was one, my mommy locked my dolly in the trunk, and so it follows naturally that I am always drunk. When I was two, I saw my father kiss the maid one day, and that is why I suffer now from kleptomania. At three, I was ambivalent towards my younger brothers, and that's the reason why to date I have poisoned all my lovers. And so, and, and I'm so glad since I have learned the lesson I've been taught that everything I do that's wrong is someone else's fault. <laughs> Not great poetry, perhaps, but it's an apt description of the attitude that a lot of people have in our society. They refuse to take responsibility for their own actions. Back when William Willimon was the chaplain and professor at, uh, at Duke University, he says that every year during the first-year student seminar, he would present this, the case of Dave, 
um, for the students to debate. And, and Dave was a young man who, after a night of, of partying with his friends, got in a car to drive home. But on his way home, Dave hit and killed a small child. And the debate centered around this question. Who was responsible for Dave's actions? Well, according to Willimon, almost no one in, the, in his seminars wanted to blame Dave. Most of the students said that the blame lies with Dave's parents for raising him to make bad choices, bad decisions. Some of them voted that Dave's friends or the bartender were responsible for letting Dave drive home drunk. And, and, and a third, about a third of the class placed the blame on genetics. Perhaps Dave had a genetic predisposition towards alcoholism. But whatever the reasons, very few students believe that, that Dave was responsible for his actions. Now that's a little scary, isn't it? Because how can you remedy a situation unless you accept the responsibility for it? A man who was more than just a little bit intoxicated got on a bus one day. He staggered down the aisle and he sat down right next to an elderly woman who was clutching her Bible. And this elderly woman looked at this intoxicated man and just kind of gave him the once over up one side and down the other. And then she finally said with convictions, I've got news for you, mister. You're going straight to hell. And so the drunk man jumped up out of his seat and shouted, oh, man, I got on the wrong bus again. Well, he was on the wrong bus, all right, in more ways than one. And people make that mistake from time to time, don't they? And I, and I wonder, is there any hope for them unless they come to themselves and turn their lives around? Our lesson from the Gospel of Luke is about that young man who asked his dad for all of his inheritance. And, and that's a risky proposition, isn't it, parents? Uh, I mean, suppose your 18-year-old son or daughter comes up to you and says, Mom, Dad, I know that you're going to leave me in a state worth, let's say, half a million dollars someday. But I'd like to get it now. How are you going to respond to that? Now, some 18-year-olds might have the maturity to handle half a million dollars responsibly, but not many. Not many. And my guess is that most of us put in, into a situation like that, if we were 18 years old and, and, and suddenly had all that money at that stage in, of our lives, we would probably do just about the same thing that this young man did in Luke's gospel. He squandered his inheritance. It was party, party, party. And, and soon his bank account was overdrawn. His credit cards were maxed out. The money was all gone. And, and we might not be party animals, but there's, there's a lot of ways to spend money out there, folks, isn't it? I mean, a nice BMW uh, convertible would really, that'd be pretty nice, wouldn't it? Or a, a huge shopping spree or an extended vacation at some paradise island somewhere. It's amazing how fast you can go through money. But let me ask you something. Can any of us identify with this young man? He spent his fortune, he ran up his credit cards, he burned through his allowance, and now he has hit rock bottom. And can't you just see him 
in your mind's eye, can't you just see him standing in that pig pen that his life has become, wondering what in the world is he going to do? And that's when Luke tells us, but when he came to himself. And my friends, I want you to know that those are some of the most important words in all of the Bible. When he came to himself. Suddenly this young man knew that it was time for him to change his life. He was on the wrong bus. And it was time for him to get off of that bus and to get on the right one. Sure, this parable is about sin and grace and and it's about a father's love for his wayward son, but it's also about a young man who suddenly realizes that his strategy for life is not working. And he knows that he needs a new plan. And so he came to himself. Now let's shift gears for a moment. And let's take a look at our Old Testament lesson from the book of Joshua. On the surface, that passage of Scripture seems to bear no resemblance at all to Luke's story about the prodigal son. But let me give you a little bit of a, of a setting here. In Joshua's story, the people of Israel have been wandering around out in the wilderness. And, and all during this time of wandering out, around out in the wilderness, God has been feeding them with manna from heaven. God has been providing for their, their food every day for, with manna from heaven. And our text for today takes up the story when the Israelites have finally, after four years of wandering in the, in the desert, they finally entered into the promised land. And here's what the writer of Joshua says. He says, The manna ceased on the day that they ate the produce of the land, and the Israelites no longer had manna. They ate the crops of the land of Canaan that year. You get the picture? For 40 years of wandering around out in the wilderness, God provided for the children of Israel with manna to meet their needs. And personally, I can't imagine eating the same thing for every meal for 40 years. I mean, you can get in a rut sometimes, and I'm sure that some enterprising Israelite came up with a cookbook, 101 Ways to Cook Manna. 40 years. Can you imagine? But I'm sure that God made it appetizing for them. And even more important than that, it kept them going. It, it, it met their needs. God had promised them that they would be provided for, and they were. But on the very day that they could provide for themselves, what happened? The manna stopped. This is God's way of saying, okay, troops, from here on out, it's up to you. I gave you everything that you needed to survive out there in the wilderness, but now it's time for you to take responsibility for yourselves. And this is a practical truth about life that, that every one of us needs to realize sooner or later. God will not provide for us that which we can provide for ourselves. God expects us to take charge of our lives. You know, I just wonder if God ever gets tired of listening to some of the prayers that we pray. Yeah, you ever thought about that? 
Lord, help me do well on that test. And God might ask, did you study? Lord, help me get that promotion at work. Have you done your part? Do you go into the office with a good attitude every day? Do you give 110%? Lord, help me get down to a, a size 30 waist. We won't even go there. But it's amazing, isn't it? Do we, do we really think that God will do for us what we refuse to do for ourselves? You see, the, the father loved that prodigal son. But it was necessary for that father to wait and to let that foolish young man make the choice for himself. And God loved Israel. And God sustained Israel all during that time out in the wilderness. But as soon as they were out of the wilderness, it was time for Israel to look after their own needs. And that's what maturity is all about. And guess what, folks? It is even true when it comes to our salvation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17-21 is one of Paul's most beautiful passages of, of Scripture. He writes, So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. It's a wonderful passage of Scripture. All the way down to that last part of the 20th verse where Paul writes, So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since Christ is making God's appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Here we go again. In the story of the prodigal son, a young man has lived all of his life in the, in the safe shelter of his father's house. And in Joshua, the people have enjoyed the grace of God to provide for their every need out in the wilderness. And now Paul is saying to us that God has done everything that needed to be done in order to reconcile us to God's self. In fact, he writes, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. My friends, the Father loves us just like he loved the prodigal son. Just like he loved the people of Israel. And God has done all that God can do. God has done God's part. And now, says Paul, it's time for us to do our part. God was reconciling the world to himself, and we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. In other words, it's time for us to take charge of our own lives, and, and you could say our own salvation. It's time for us to come to ourselves just as the prodigal son has done. God has provided spiritual manna during our time of wilderness wandering. But now it's time for us to take responsibility for our lives and to do what the prodigal son did. Be reconciled with the Father. So let me ask you this morning. 
Are you at peace with God? You may remember the story about the old farmer and his wife who are riding along in his pickup truck and she looks over at him and says, you remember when we were young and how we used to snuggle up to each other while we were riding along in your pickup truck? Why don't we do that anymore? And the farmer answered, well, I didn't move. (laughs) Have you moved away from God? You know, we assume that as people get older, they move closer to God. And, and I think that's the way it ought to be. I mean, we ought to move closer and closer to God, uh, to the throne of God, so that when that time comes, when we cross that divide between the living and the dead, it'll be a smooth and uneventful transition. That's the way life's supposed to work, but it doesn't always work that way, does it? Some people move away from God. It happens to some parents when their, their children leave home and you look around the church and they're gone. Just quit coming. It happens to some people when a marriage falls apart. Sometimes there's a significant failure in somebody's life and, and bitterness sets in and that sense of God's presence becomes distant. And if something like that's going on in your life, I'm asking you today, Come back home. Come back home. I'm asking you to come to yourself and to take charge of your life and to get off the bus that's taking you in the wrong direction and get on the bus that takes you to the fulfillment of God's purpose for your life. Because, my friends, our God is a gracious God. And it doesn't matter how far we've moved away from God. God is here. To welcome us back. But it's up to us to make that choice to be reconciled to God. Let me finish with one last story. Told you I love stories. Margaret Jensen tells about her life as the daughter of a poor pastor. But in spite of, of their poverty and their limited resources, they always found a way to, to take in and to and to care for people in need. And one of the people that they took in was a young man named Barney. Barney had fled his home in Norway after his young wife had died, but he found comfort and healing in in Margaret's family. And through her father, Pastor Tweeten, Barney became a Christian. Now, Both of Margaret's parents wanted Barney to to find a good wife and to settle down, but Barney, well, he had had a weakness for women, and that kept him from marrying for a long time. But finally, Barney married a good and faithful woman named Mildred, but he still couldn't seem to restrain himself from his temptation for carousing. And when, when Barney finally confronted his sin against God and against his wife, he was so overcome with shame and guilt. He threw himself at the feet of God and and begged for forgiveness, but that shame, would it just would not go away. And so finally Barney decided to kill himself. However, as he stood on the precipice of the Brooklyn Bridge, contemplating his own death, Pastor Tweeten stepped out from the shadows 
and his warm and caring spirit melted all of that shame away. And so Barney returned that night to his wife, Mildred, who welcomed him home with a spirit of love and forgiveness. And so with a renewed sense of God in their lives and and love between the two of them, Barney and Mildred went on to become a shining example of love and integrity in a marriage. Now, Barney was never a bad man. He was just on the wrong bus. He needed to take charge of his life and move closer to God and to his wife. And he did. So how about you? Is there some part of your life today that you need to take charge of? Is there something in your life taking you in the wrong direction? If there is, then the Apostle Paul has a wonderful word for you this morning. We entreat you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Take charge of your life and make it right with God. Amen. What a great hymn we're going to sing. 309, Lord, I'm coming home. (laughs) How appropriate is that? Lord, I'm coming home because we all have wandered away from God. But Lord, I'm coming home. Let's sing together that beautiful hymn. And think about the words that that you're singing. I know it's easy when we sing songs, we just sing the words because we've sung them so many times before. But let's think about these words as we sing them today. Lord, I'm coming home.
be seated for just a moment. Uh, a day of celebration today, folks. Uh, I, and I don't have to introduce this man to most of you because most of you know him. This is Philip Benton, for those who don't know him. And if you don't know him, please get to know him because this is a delightful young man. Thank you. Uh, he has been, he's been hanging around here for a while. And, uh, and, and has, has become a part of our congregation, become a part of our fellowship, uh, kind of testing the waters and seeing what kind of a church we are and, and, and where he can fit in here. And, and finally, I think God has brought him home. <laughs> and he has come to unite with our church by transferring his membership from a sister church here in town and by uh, uh, being a part of our fellowship. And Philip, I'm going to tell you what I tell every single person who joins this church. And these people can probably say it for me. We are all ministers of the Lord. Every, every member of this church is a minister of God. And that means that we look forward to the ministry that we have for you. And we also look forward to the ministry that you have for each of us. So we are... Glad that you're here, and I hope that you will join me with welcoming Philip into our congregation by raising your hand and saying amen. 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 Welcome, Philip. Thank you. Welcome. Let us stand for our benediction. Remembering our spiritual ancestors who gave up oppression with security to gain freedom with opportunity. May we go forth to master ourselves by accepting duty along with responsibility, by showing balance in our judgments and by having a depth of God's vision before us. May we be examples of God's Spirit moving forward with conviction and with commitment, (coughs) with unity, not necessarily uniformity, with brotherhood and sisterhood to serve the truth that sets us free. Amen.